Okay. Well, right on. I, I appreciate yeah. you taking time to be on the show, Dylan, and uh big welcome. You're joining us from uh, Sioux Falls in, in North Dakota, correct? South Dakota. South Dakota. Okay. And I'm all the way up in Canada. So yeah, again, appreciate you being on the show and, and welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you inviting me on. Well, we've, we've earmarked a, about an hour here to, to talk quite a, quite, about quite a bit, um, mainly around your story, uh, why attitude matters at, in this industry, a little bit about uh, going to school uh, in construction and uh, a few other topics. But uh, I think to, to start, I'd really like to learn a bit more about yourself and kind of explore your story. Uh, I initially discovered you actually through Ryan Neal of uh, Caterpillar. He met yourself at, uh, it might have been a, a demo day or some sort of event. And uh, I followed you since then. He sent a message to us and I followed you since then and, and quite impressed with contrasting when Ryan first met you to where you are now, not only going to school, but uh, also working in the industry and operating equipment. So I'm, I'm curious, what initially got you interested in construction, Dylan? Was there a, a, an experience when you were younger that has stuck with you since? Yeah, I, I grew up a little bit around the industry. So um, a couple of years ago, I was adopted um, a second time. But my, the original family that adopted me um, was, so I grew up from, I grew up in Illinois. And that was age, that was from ages two to 13. And so my father from that family, he owned or still owns a plumbing, heating, electrical business in Illinois. And in the summers, he uh, did quite a bit of underground sewer and water repair and installs and septic, septic tanks. And in the summer, I'd ride around in his case 580 backhoe and I would just dig a hole, put some pipe on the ground and cover it up. And that's really what sparked my interest for the industry, but also, I guess, my passion to get into um, heavy equipment. And from then, you've you've gotten a bit of experience working alongside going to school currently? So right after high school, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to go to college or not. So graduated in May of 2020. Got to work right away. Um, so Dunnick Incorporated, Incorporated hired me right off the bat as a laborer. So that summer, I served as a laborer, a flagger, ran roller and sheep's foot quite a bit. Um, I worked in gravel pits here and there as well, doing gradations. Um, and so I took a semester off. So I worked from that summer all the way to winter. And it wasn't until later in the fall that I kind of started thinking more about college and um, the possibilities that can come from it, the doors that can it can open. I had a few conversations with one of the owners at Dunnick, Jason Dunnick, and one of um, a boss of mine. He's, I think, the VP now. Um, and they both asked me, where do I want to take my career long-term? And I said, well, I'd like to be a foreman or a superintendent potentially down the road. And they both said, basically, well, you can be either one of those with or without 
a degree, but with a degree, it might speed up that process on getting there uh, because you'll have a lot of the soft skills that are needed to be in a position like that. Um, and so gave a lot of thought and I eventually uh, did some research and I looked into some colleges and I knew I didn't want to go to a four year right off the bat or really at all because I just wanted, I just wanted to get back in the field as soon as possible, but also I didn't really want to deal with that kind of debt because four year universities are outrageously expensive nowadays. And so I just did some research for some two year schools in the Midwest that offer a construction management program. Um, and I was looking at one in Minneapolis at first, so just two hours uh, from home originally, but looked into that and I was just like, eh, I don't really want to live in a massive city. And then I found Southeast Tech. And I also heard from a coworker and another friend of mine who went there as well and looked into it, applied and got accepted. And here we are. So I think your your experience so far serves as a great example for others. You've started off laboring and you've had that discussion with with mentors, if you will, above you about, hey, you know, should I go to school? And from your experience, you know, would you recommend others go to school or could you, is it possible still to to work your way up the proven way of just learning as you go and, and working up the ranks? I think you can you can be successful in this industry. Either way, you know, going to college and then getting into it afterwards or or just not going to college and working from the ground up. I mean, granted, most of the time you will work from the ground up either way with or without a college degree. But, you know, after seeing some awesome opportunities be presented to me uh, by going to college, um, I'd say college is a better way to go because not only allows you to network, it also allows you to see other um, aspects of the industry, other fields of the industry. So, you know, it's not just about moving dirt and putting pipe in the ground. There's also residential construction, there's commercial, there's a lot of different branches and paths to go. And it's, really cool to learn and see all those. And so learn a bit about each field. I feel like that makes you more valuable uh, to an employer, more dangerous in a way, um, because you have understanding of those things a little bit. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're going to know everything about every field that you learn about in college, um, but you're going to be more valuable because you'll have a wider perspective, wider understanding, if that makes any sense. I second your point there about uh, getting a bit of experience in the many facets of the industry. I think for yourself, starting off as um, laboring, and also I've seen you're running some equipment as well, and then going to school after that uh, makes you an incredibly valuable uh, individual to any employer um, that you would choose. Would you recommend someone would jump right into school not knowing much about the industry, or should they follow a similar path to what you've taken, get some experience, meet some people, you know, run on, uh, 
operate a shovel, <laughs> operate some equipment uh, before they go to school? Yes. I'd say that uh, I think the way I did it is was a great way to do it, but I don't think it's the only uh, way to do things. Um, I have a friend of mine named Justin, and he he went to North Dakota State University for construction management, and he every summer he interned for several different contractors, uh, big and small. And, and so he's had, I think three or four different internships in the summer. And honestly, he is probably one of the smartest guys I know that has gone to school for construction management. And he's proven that you don't need it. I mean, he's proven just by his knowledge and experience that you don't have to take a year off or get some experience before going to college. And I feel like if you, if you utilize your summers the right way and work your butt off and try to learn as much as you can in the summers between your semesters, I feel like that's going to put you ahead of other people, other classmates. So, uh, yeah, that's my take on it. I don't think, I think there's multiple ways to do it. Oh, that's a really good point. There's no right or wrong way here, but uh, I definitely think you, your path has, has been a, a fine example for many others to uh, to follow. I'm, I'm curious, when did you first start operating equipment? You started off um, obviously with a fascination for the stuff, for the iron, for the equipment, but then you were kind of running a shovel for a bit. You are working as labor, but I've also seen you running equipment um, on your Instagram and on uh, LinkedIn. So when did you first start doing that and how did you... Uh, move up into that that role. Well, I wouldn't. I, I to this day, even though, even if my title is heavy equipment operator to some people, or, or even if it shows that on LinkedIn, I don't necessarily always call myself a heavy equipment operator because because I, I'm not. I mean, half the time I'm I'm in the ditch, uh, setting pipe. Uh, or I'll, I'll be the top man on the pipe crew, or I'll be on the grading crew running a roller or a skid loader or just being a laborer. I mean, I don't have a set role, I guess, just kind of whatever they need me to do, I'll do it. Um, but how, but I mean, the way I've gotten into equipment is I've proven myself that obviously I can run things. Uh, I might not be the best at it, but I've proven that, hey, if you give me a chance, I'll operate it. You know, don't second guess me just because I have a missing hand. And, you know, it's just a part of another part of it. I think it's just being patient and waiting for an opportunity um, as well as how you get into equipment. Or that's how I've gotten into equipment. Now, speaking about operating equipment and, and schooling, um, apart from what you're doing at construction management, going to school for that, talking about going to school to be a heavy equipment operator, I, I, I'm more on the side of that you can be taught far better by a well-outfitted company that's invested in training than you could at school. So I'm more on the side of go find a company that is willing to train you and take the time and invest in you 
then go to school for heavy equipment operating. What's, what's your thoughts on that? I agree. Yeah. I'm glad you asked me that. Um, I kind of <laughs> forgot. Um, during my senior year of high school, I actually almost went to a college in South Dakota, a different college in South Dakota for heavy equipment operations. Um, I actually, I applied there, got accepted. I was really looking forward to it, but then kind of reality hit me and I was rem- like, I had a conversation with, uh, um, Jason Dunnick from Dunnick Incorporated, my, uh, employer. And he told me, he said, you know, heavy equipment operations, you know, that's not necessarily a bad way to go, but in reality, um, in reality, you're not going to get much out of any heavy equipment school because they're not going to put you in real life situations. I mean, you're basically just going to be pushing dirt or digging dirt in a, basically a big sandbox. You know, they're not going to go put you out on an actual uh, job and have you fine grade something more than likely, uh, or they're not going to have you dig around utilities or whatever the case may be. It's just going to be, you're just going to learn the basics and learn the controls of the pieces of equipment is what my understanding is. And so heavy equipment school, like, I don't, I don't think they're a bad thing, but I feel like if you want to be a heavy equipment operator, um, start, just, just grab a shovel and, and start out as a laborer because even with a college degree in heavy equipment operations, um, most employers will still start you at the ground with a shovel. So I feel like starting from the ground up as a laborer is your best bet. And you're going to learn so much. You learn so much more when you're on the ground, whether that's, you know, you're learning the roles or the tasks and the importance of being a laborer. Uh, but you're also learning from other operators. If you really pay attention and ask questions and observe operators and good operators that, that take their time, but are efficient, you'll learn so much, you know, okay, why is he, why is he digging this way? Or you learn so much more on the ground before you get into the seat. So that's my take on it. And you mentioned, earlier in the conversation about uh, four-year degrees from universities or, or equivalent being very expensive, you know, heavy equipment operator schools are definitely up there in, in price as well. So I think me and you both agree that the best way to become an operator, not the only way, but I think the best path is to find a company that's willing to one, uh, invest in you and kind of throw you on a shovel for a bit and then, you know, give some opportunity to, to move up into a role of running equipment because as you mentioned, uh, those, those scenarios you're going to be in as an operator in the field, uh, far surpass that, which an operator school I think could provide. So they're going to be much more valuable right. to your, uh, to your upbringing as an operator and to your, your foundation. Absolutely. You, you mentioned it, uh, uh briefly there when we were talking about, uh, operating equipment. And I think there's one piece of your story here that is, is it makes you quite remarkable and, I've been thinking about the most um, respectful way to to bring it up and, and ask it, but it's it's your arm, Dylan. It's the your your part of your story, and I, I think it's what makes you remarkable. Could you tell us a bit about 
uh, that piece of your story that. Yeah. And don't feel bad about asking. That's just, I, I know a lot of people are scared of offending me, but I mean, the more you get to know me, uh, I make some pretty, uh, cruel jokes and funny jokes, uh, regarding that. I mean, half the time I'll on the job site, I'll be like, Hey, do you need a hand? And they start laughing. I was like, well, I kind of meant that serious. I'll kind of, I, I was like, well, I kind of mean that seriously, but I, I mean, I mean, I guess that's funny too. <laughs> and then, yeah, it just kind of spirals out from there. And yeah, but anyways, uh, no, my, so yes, I have a missing arm, but I also have a missing leg. That's what a lot of people don't know or even notice. I didn't know. Um, that. Wow. Um, yeah, so I have a prosthetic leg on my left leg. Um, or really, they don't release these quote-unquote disabilities as uh, someone else would call them. I don't call myself disabled or handicapped, and nor will I ever because I can do just as much as anyone else can. And that's not my ego that's saying that. That's just reality. Um, and so, yes, I have a... I've, two missing limbs and um i was born like it but the story behind that is i uh survived an abortion and that's how and these are basically my battle scars and so you you know a lot of people wonder why do i have such a drive or a positive outlook on life well it's because i i'm lucky to be alive and god put me put me on this earth for a purpose so um that's the st- that's my story behind that, and I've ran into a few obstacles working. Um, you know, last summer I was on a pipe crew a little bit um, with Dunnick, and there, and I think I was on there for a week or two, and it was pretty hot that week. And when when you're in the ditch or being a top man, you're constantly moving around walking on uneven terrain and that heat and that constant movement, it did affect my uh, performance a little bit because it did slow me down because it, it started to create a sore on my leg. Um, so that's where it slowed me down. And plus when I was a flagger a little bit, my first year with Dunnick, um, I had to communicate to my former and say, Hey, I have a prosthetic leg and I need to be able to sit down every so often in order to um, take weight off it and rest my body and my hips because my leg hurts. I tend to lean on my other leg and that, that starts hurting as well. So I just had to communicate that. And they're pretty understanding. Um, running heavy equipment with one hand, it really hasn't been a struggle. I, I, I mean, dozers, uh, I haven't got much seat time in a dozer yet, but I've, ran a D6N I think once or twice before and I can shift forward neutral and reverse with my left arm and move the joystick just fine uh, but other dozers that's yet to be determined how I can run those but any other piece of equipment I can run just fine um, the only piece of equipment I probably won't be in anytime soon or really ever unless I have some sort of prosthetic is a motor grader and you can probably understand why. I think your story is just, you're such a remarkable individual for 
not only your story, but how you've used it in the industry. And you've, you're frankly running equipment as good, if not better than uh, the, some of the more experienced people I've seen. I watched the videos you put out of not only you on a shovel uh, on, on pipe crew. Um, heck, you can shovel as good as, as anybody, if not better. But also running equipment, like you're running a, a long reach excavator there at one point, and heck, there there's there was no slip ups. You were smooth as as ever. You were on point. Your, your moves were intentional with with the uh, the bucket, and it was it was a treat to watch. So I I, I commend you for that, and I, I think you're just it's such a remarkable story, uh, such a remarkable uh, individual. I appreciate it. More videos to come. I just work's been slowly slow lately, and so I haven't been in the equipment as much, but more videos to come. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, putting those out there. So, Do, do others form like a, a preconceived opinion uh, when they first meet you? And have you used your prosthetic leg and um, missing arm as an advantage to proving yourself? Oh, absolutely. Um, I bounce around on a lot of different crews, uh, grading and a little bit underground. Um, so there's some crews that haven't really worked with me yet or haven't worked with me at all. And so my mindset is to honestly prove myself as a young person, but also to prove myself that I can do anything you ask me to, regardless of missing an arm or a leg. And, uh, my superintendent or superintendents typically communicate to the foreman's that, I do have a missing arm, missing leg, and I might have to limit myself with labor, like shoveling here and there if I do get sore. But other than that, my mindset every time I go to a job is to prove myself because people are always going to look at me differently. Uh, well, because first of all, you have people that have the mindset today of, well, young people don't want to work. So, so what's the point of having him on our crew if he doesn't want to work? And then they make that assumption. A lot of people make that assumption before they even meet a person. And so I have that to prove. I also have the physicality side of things to prove. Sorry. I, I don't know if you can hear that tornado siren. I apologize about that. It's just a, it's just a test. <laughs> okay, good. It's just, uh, I'm anyway, glad it's, it's a test. It's not a real tornado. So we can take a break and resume if you need to take shelter here. <laughs> yeah uh, put my hands over my head and get in the hallway <laughs> uh anyways uh the other mindset i have is i have to like even if i prove myself to a crew that i've worked with before i still want to prove myself over and over again and yell no like i i don't give myself enough grace i guess and i just try to work my hardest because um people are going to look, look at me differently and because I have one arm or one leg. And, uh, some people I've had operators that have jumped out of the cab before and say, Hey, Hey, hey now, like I'll, I'll take over. I'll be like, why I, don't take the shovel from me. I, I, this is my job. And I start shoveling. They're like, Oh shoot, you can actually do that. Um, I like last summer I was on one of our pipe crews and, uh, I was digging out some material that fell into one of our uh, boxes. So we tied in a 24 inch culvert into a manhole box. I think it's what it's called. Don't quote me on that. I'm just 
learning terminology and everything, but I had to shovel out a little material that fell in and the main line operator and our, one of our John Deere four seventies, he got out and he's like, Hey, I can do that for you. I, I was like, why? And he's like, well, how are you going to shovel? And I said, I'll, I'll show you. So I jumped in, I jumped in and started shoveling material out and he's like, Oh shoot. And, and so it's funny, like, you know, I, it, uh, I like proving people, but obviously in a humble way. And when people doubt me, it's just fuel to the fire. So. Do you enjoy when you can show someone that you can do it? Like you mentioned there, the operator saying, I'll take over. Why is this guy in our crew? Do you almost like, what sort of emotions do you experience when you get in the trench and you show them that you can do it or you get behind the controls of machine and you can do it if not better than them? I mean, it's a sense of, I mean, there's a, a bit of pride that comes there, but also just a little bit of joy. Uh, just, I'm just like, well, here's an opportunity where I can prove them. So just watch me. And that's not ego driven in a way that's just saying, Hey, I'm, I want to be treated and looked at the same way as everyone else on this job. So let me do my job. Let me do my task without, without, you know, questioning me too much. And, um, yeah, I, there's this running joke I have and, um, I, I've told this joke to a few operators and, you know, I, I say, you know, some people have asked me, how do I run a shell with one hand? And I reply with, uh, well, I mean, same way you do it. I just lean on it. <laughs> yeah. that I like that one. That's that applies to many. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But I, I think for just from like, my perspective here for the operators or superintendents or foremen that see you proving them wrong. I think it serves as a fine example for them to expand their appreciation and understanding of not only young people in the industry, but maybe someone they thought who couldn't do it, who actually can do it through willingness to learn through persistence, through passion. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I think I think you serve as a serve as a, a fine example of that, and I, I'm glad you you've haven't backed down from the opportunity to to prove them that prove to them that you you can do it. And I won't ever will back down to that. So I I try to set the example for I try to prove myself. Also try to set the example for let's say interns or younger new and new hires that we have. Um, you know, I just try to have a good attitude and just, if I, if it means I'm shoveling all day, shoveling curb, or if I am doing other stuff related to that, I mean, I do my best to do it with a good attitude. And, um, I, they, once they see me, I actually start to see that they're, they're working a little bit harder because they see me do it and they're probably like, Oh shoot. Well, if he can do it just as good as me with one hand, well, then I need to be working that much harder to gain his respect 
also just uh, not come across as lazy or I don't know. That's just I'm trying to put myself in other people's shoes, but I, that's I've had conversations with other guys that told me that as well. So now your your attitude is something I've admired and and it's been reaffirmed here in our discussion. But you mentioned that. Um, you know, being born was, was, was God's gift to, to put you on this earth. And you've kept that, that positive attitude, um, all the way through. And it's been reflected in your work, um, ever since, but your the attitude in this industry, like why is having the right attitude so important in construction? Or you can look at it from a culture standpoint, you can look at it at a production standpoint, but first of all, if, you have a bad attitude or if you're making a bunch of excuses, I mean, that's only just going to rub off on the rest of your crew members. And, and that's just going to, first of all, if you're not enjoying work or have a good attitude about it, you're less likely to be, you're going to be less productive because you're not enjoying what you do. Also, um, you're changing the dynamic of the culture and, and if you have a bad attitude and more than likely other people are going to start having a bad attitude with you or, or whenever. And so it's just kind of a snowball effect. And that's, I feel like it's really important to try to have the best attitude you can. And yeah, there's going to like, that's like, I'm not saying every day is going to be great and you're just going to be smiling ear to ear. Yeah, you're going to have hard days, but you know, you're not going to grow without pain. You're not going to grow without challenges or being uncomfortable. And uh, it's just perspective in a way, is how I see it. It's your perspective. Some people would disagree on with me. So, but that's my per- perspective on the attitude part being in this industry. I would totally agree with that. I think having the right attitude uh, makes you a contributing member to the team. And, and as you referred to uh, previous prior in our conversation here, um, you're setting the bar for others. You're, you're setting that standard of having a proper attitude, no matter what the weather is, how the project's going, uh, whatever it may be. What, what are some examples of the right attitude people should have and and how has the right attitude paid great dividends to you over time there's been times where it was super hot out and i had to sit in the cut where we're digging out this old road with a utility locator making sure we don't hit this eight inch gas line and it would come in within i think a foot and a half or two and then i'll dig down with the shovel make sure it didn't that line is actually that uh, that deep from what the locator shows. And those were like some of those days and then other days shoveling curve were pretty hard because it was hot. It was miserable, lost shoveling. And you kind of like, like the more tired you get, the higher it gets, you know, your attitude can change. And, you know, at times I was like, why am I doing this? Or, why can't I be doing something else or what's the purpose of this? And, or, you know, or yeah, this may suck and there's going to be things that suck, but I tried 
to keep a positive attitude and, you know, uh, understand that my position is important and yeah, this task might suck, but if I'm not in the hole checking for utilities, then we can't get the job done because our excavator operator, he can't do what he needs to do without me being down there. And so everyone has a purpose and everyone has a role, no matter what it is. It's easy to default to have a negative outlook or a negative ad- attitude, isn't it? It takes effort to to have a positive attitude. Right. And and I may come across as, well, if someone listens to this podcast, is probably going to be like, well, it seems like Dylan has such a positive outlook on life and has everything together with his attitude and just his mindset. And it may come across that way, but I'm human just like everyone else. There's going to be days where, uh, like, yeah, there's going to be days where, like, I may not, I just not in a great mood, uh, or there's going to be days that are going to be challenging and it's just going to suck. And that's for every, that's everyone. Everyone's going to have those days, but you know, even with tough days, you can complain about it in the long run, or you can just look at it and say, that was a tough day, but. I learned this from that day or I, I learned, you know, you can always, there's always something to learn from a hard experience. If someone's seeking advancement, whether that's from, from labor to equipment operator or equipment operator to foreman, uh, some sort of direction like that, are there certain skill sets uh, or traits that someone should aspire to have to, to find that advancement and find success? Yeah, uh, I can list a few. I think, obviously, if you want to work your way up, you have to have a work ethic. Nothing's going to be handed to you unless you bust your tail. And um, another, a few other skills I believe that you, you need is perseverance. Um, you have to be a team leader. You have to, you know, there's some operators out there that just kind of, or just people in general, laborers or operators, they just kind of want to be to themselves and not have anything to do with anyone or anything and just do what they want to do. And that's not necessarily going to work, in my opinion, because you have to work as a team to get the job done or get the task done. Um, and so you have to be a team player. You have to have good communication, obviously. Um, and you gotta understand the purpose on of doing things, even if it's if, even if it's sucky work or seems like there's no purpose to whatever you're doing. You have to ask those questions: Why are we doing this? What's the purpose? And your foreman or that experienced operator will tell you and explain to you why. And I feel like those are a few skills that will work your way. Uh, you know, help you climb a ladder. But honestly, I can't answer that question the best because I, yes, I have worked my way up a little bit, but I'm not in a management position and I'm not a, I'm not a world-class operator that knows a lot or knows everything. So I feel like I have a very vague answer or very, 
but you know, I'm just trying to say that I don't know everything and I don't, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out too. So. You're very humble, Dylan. And I do value your perspective because you have worked your way up a little bit, even though you are still going to school and working um, alongside that. You, I think you're, what you, what you have um, experienced is valuable to others. And I'll, I'll add to that as, as well. I, I'd say if I had to, to look at a few skill sets um, for someone who's looking to, to find advancement, I'd say willingness to learn is, is probably alongside work ethic is probably up there. People who are willing to learn, who are interested, who, who give, spend the extra time, whether that be when the machines broke down, whether that be at meetings or whether just reading, doing some extracurricular reading and, and building understanding. I think those people get recognized and they can find their way up through recognition and um, achievement through, through learning uh, more than say uh, somebody alongside them. So willingness to learn is, is probably up there for me. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I, that went over or that completely went by me. I, I forgot that willingness to learn is one of the biggest things as well. I, I say that a lot, but I, I forgot about that. Um, no, I can elaborate on the willingness to work uh, and willingness to learn specifically because if you're not willing to learn, uh, you're not, that means you're not coachable and no one want no form and no operator wants to teach someone that thinks they know it all or just doesn't want to learn. It's just there for more of the paycheck. Like I, I've, I've had, I've worked, uh, with classmates or people before that think they've known it all, or they just have an ego and in my head, I'm like, gosh, you're going to get humbled so quick by someone. I just can't wait to see that. <laughs> and, 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 and it's just like, you know, if you're not willing to learn, you're not going to get anywhere and nobody's going to want to work with you. Um, because who wants to coach someone that's not, that's uncoachable. It's, it's wasted energy, wasted time. Uh, and so, and the willingness to work, you know, if you spend extra, like what I've done before, like before or after work, uh, is I've helped guys, you know, shovel tracks. I've helped them put the GPS globes on their dozer. Uh, I've helped grease up their machine. I, I'll move barricades if, uh, without being asked. I mean, just the little things for operators or your foreman will go a long way. And sometimes you, it seems like you're never being noticed, but in reality, you are being noticed. And they highly, highly appreciate the little things. And, and not just that, but operators also appreciate you asking questions and wanting to know what's going on. Sure, yeah, you'll run into a few operators that are just kind of crabby and and just don't want to talk to you. But most operators I've run into, like if you if you prove yourself you're willing to work, willing to learn, they'll open up to you and really teach you a lot uh, just about what's going on or they'll give you advice. Um, they'll help you get your feet. Like they'll help you get your feet going in a way if you show um, if you show those, uh, attributes right away or yeah, that makes any sense. I do 
want to uh, pick out your point about being coachable. We talk a lot about uh, going to school or not, regardless of if you've gone to school. If you aren't coachable, no one's going to want to teach you, and therefore you can't learn more. And I think no matter at what level you are, and just for myself, for my own business, like when I'm out on a site, no matter what it is, I'm like, okay, like I know nothing. Tell me what you're doing. What's going on here? Who's doing what? Where are you from? Like, just if if you adopt a a very humble attitude and you're willing to learn and just uh, like I said, just be coachable, that will pay incredible dividends and get you farther than any sort of um, anything else could. I, I think. Right. I can totally agree because I've seen it work for me. Anyways, I I was on a big DOT job last year in Minnesota and one of our most experienced operators, he he was usually in the dozer, also sometimes in our three thirty six that we had on the job. And um he was a he was a very quiet operator, but you know, I made sure I proved myself that I'm willing to work, I'm willing to learn. And once I started asking him questions, but not like just like you know, I actually try to think of good questions to ask him because uh, I wanted to show that I'm not just, I, f- I just have the mentality. I don't want to be looked as the app looked at as the average labor. I want to actually show that I'm trying to learn and actually care. And he saw that and he actually started teaching me a lot. Um, and he's not the only operator that's done that. So yeah, uh, there's this quote out there that, I think it goes, or this quote goes, I wish people had two ears and one mouth. But, and in reality, yes, that's true, but, but people tend to open their mouth first before their ears. And, and, you know, nobody wants to listen to those people who never want to who open, who just run their mouth and never listen. So I like that. That's good. No, I, I do like, and I think that separates um, a lot of people quickly on the, on the job site is just those willing to, to listen and learn. But there's one, there's one piece we touched on earlier and that was the younger generations. And I think if you were to paint with a, a wide brush here, a big brush by default, they've just been assigned a, a bit of a poor reputation with regards to work ethic and, the possession of soft skills. Do you, do you think that's true? Do you think it's fair to paint with such a wide brush and, and label these younger people? Is that. <laughs> um, I'll be really honest. Uh, you know, even though I'm in, I'm a Gen Z myself, I believe. Yeah. Gen Z. Uh, I was born in 2001. Um, I like, I, I don't disagree with, people saying that young people want, don't want to work. I, you know, I see that. I, I've seen that firsthand, but I feel like, I think there's, you, you have to look at both sides of the coin. Like some people may come across lazy, uh, but maybe it's because they don't know what they're doing or don't have, they were never given purpose or a reason with what they're doing. Um, and our generation, my generation really really depends on like being guided and having instructions and and whatnot and a lot of 
and you know that's not and that's not really what the industry has been like you know people used or the industry used to be or still is in a way but i feel like it's slowly changing but i feel like the industry or it was that people just you just get told to do something and you do it and you don't ask questions and or you get yelled at or whatever and and some of the best leaders I've had, uh, I've seen lazy people turn into hard working people because they're given purpose by their, by a great leader, a great foreman and, uh, you know, direction and a sense. And also, you know, you know, when you're given, you know, I'll be honest. Yes. Our, my generation is pretty soft and, <laughs> But I feel like if you, if a leader takes their time to teach someone and show them pur- or give them purpose, um, that's going to mean a lot for a person like me. And that's going to give me a reason to obviously give more effort into what I'm doing, but also just gives me, you know, someone giving me purpose will make me go a whole lot farther than someone else without purpose that yeah i agree with your perspective on that i think if we look at if we try and break it the generations apart if we look at the older generations it was here's your job go do this and they're going to spend 20 to 30 years at the same company that was just that was what my grandpa and my dad did that was just kind of how it how it was you spend your almost entire career with one company and you just kind of work your way up, do as you're told. But like you mentioned, these younger generations, um, perhaps myself included, I was a 94 baby. Uh, you know, we need, we need guidance. We need mentorship. We, we do seek that purpose, uh, in life We're we're, I, I guess more purpose driven than previous generations. And to your point about laziness, yeah, maybe, maybe it's, it's not just that we're lazy. It's we don't know what we're doing. Um, or we're just frankly looking at the easiest way to do a, jo- uh, a job that uh, maybe the old, older generations haven't even considered at this point. Right. I, you know, I, isn't like, isn't turnover the, uh, the highest it's probably ever been in, in our world today with obviously the construction industry, but probably other industries as well. Yes, I believe so. I couldn't reference any exact yeah. metrics, but as a generality, yes. Yeah. And, you know, people, uh, kids my age and people nowadays, you know, we don't have the same perspective as people are, you know, 20, 30 years older than us. You know, like what you said, people used to have the, you know, people would stay at companies 10, 20, 30 plus years and make a career out of it. But in reality, people like, People don't look that far, I feel like, nowadays. People just want a job. And they don't really look at something as a career standpoint. Like the turnover is such is so high right now because first of all, you can get a job anywhere. And second of all, it, it, you can go on social media and see job openings and look at companies anywhere and apply. 10, like 20, 30 years ago, did you have that? Not really. You, I mean, it was just what? News, newspaper prints of openings in town or something like that? Yeah, word of mouth. Something like uh, that. Yeah, or word of mouth. 
And so nowadays you can literally quit your job and fill in an application on your computer at night, get a call the next day from that or that or of that week from that other company offering you a job there. You know, it's companies have to be really careful nowadays of how they treat their people because people can leave so easily because every, everything's at their fingertips right now. And uh, that's why I believe retaining people. So attracting the younger generation and people is a problem, but I feel like retaining people is even a bigger issue. Um, and what I just explained is part of the retaining issue, you know, not showing that if you don't care about someone as an employee and whatnot, you know, it's pretty easy for them to just hang it up and get, go somewhere else. So, I mean, heck that's a whole podcast episode in itself, retention of employees and, and methods and manners to do that. One other question, you mentioned it earlier, you, you, you talked about soft skills. How important are soft skills, particularly for these younger generations, uh, me and you both included? Um, how important are soft skills? Very important. Um, you know, everyone is so used to just communicating through text now or Snapchat or whatever you want, whatever uh, that's out there. But and, and people are losing the actual people skills of how to actually interact with someone one-on-one, whether that's just like a casual conversation or, or if it's more like an interview or like a more formal conversation or people are losing those skills because everyone's so used to just texting or emailing or whatever it is. And, and what I've learned in school is obviously how to communicate better with people. The skills I've, the skills that they teach you at college will prepare you. I feel like enough to be a foreman down the road or a project management, project manager, superintendent, whatever it is. Um, so soft skills are very important and more important than ever because people are just used to texting and emailing and there's face-to-face interactions. I feel, I feel like less common. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to use COVID as an excuse because uh, no one wants to hear that. (laughs) Um, I feel like it's just because our digital age and people, less people have the skills to actually. In regards to soft, soft skills, an easy way to set yourself apart, young or old is just, how good is your handshake? You know, do you make good eye contact? Is your body language good? Do you present yourself in a proper and professional manner? Um, do you mean what you say? Are you a man or woman of your of your word? Like those are just some some basic ex- examples of soft skills. But I think in today's world, ever more important. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. One final piece I'd, I'd like to get your thought on, Dylan, and that's um, mentorship you know, your thoughts on older generations, mentoring younger generations, is it the responsibility of these older generations to help mentor the younger people? I believe so in a way, but it all comes down to 
searchable or not. Um, but I feel like it's our job as the younger generation to learn as much as we can to, from the from the seasoned guys because there's so much to learn. And you know, once they retire, you know that that information is kind of gone. I mean, you're not going to be able to learn on the job or anything like that. You know, it's gone. And so, yeah, it being coachable will open the opportunities for you to be mentored and be taught a lot. Have you had any mentors in your career thus far? I have. um, Jason Dunnick being one of them um, has taught me an exponential amount of things. And it's more about, he is more on the business side of things. So he's given me a lot of business advice, but also just a lot of life advice. And, and he always helps me see the bigger picture. And that alone is going to help me go so much further in my career or just in life, like life in general. Um, he's one. Another person I'll say is uh, my friend Brennan. Uh, he's taught me a lot and he's a superintendent for, <clears throat> for a company on the East coast. And, uh, he's in his late twenties, but he's moved up the ranks because, uh, obviously he has been coachable, but also he's just a smart guy as well. So I've learned a lot from him because he's, um, he's in the same kind of age gap as me but he's so much more knowledgeable. So um, mentors are definitely a blessing to have in your life. And in reality, not a lot, I feel like not a lot of people have uh, mentors or really, or really close with their mentors in general. And so I feel like it's, if you have a mentor in your life, don't take it for granted. It could be one of the biggest blessings. I would, I would agree with that. I think it's important to have a mentor. And I think that the older generations do have a responsibility to help train these younger people. Um, it's, it's just a necessary part of the constantly evolving industry. So. I, I agree. Yeah. Well, I, I let's leave it at that, Dylan. That we've we talked about a lot, and I, I promised you an hour here, and here we are, just over an hour. So, I just want to say I I really appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate your your openness to to share your story. I think it's remarkable. I think many others can can learn from what you've experienced and your approach and outlook and attitude uh, towards uh, your job or the industry, for that matter. So I just want to say thank you again for, for being on the show, Dylan. Yeah. I'll appreciate you inviting me on and maybe we can do this again sometime down the road after college or whenever. So thank you, Matt. Mac, appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping to at some point meet you in person here. Um, not sure what our, both our schedules look like, but if there's an event coming up, we should definitely try and uh, connect if we're there, whether who knows, it might be con expo um, next year, 2023. So 
I hope I can make it. I really do. So, yeah. Okay. Um, people know where to find myself oh, okay. on social, but yourself, like what's the best way to get a hold of you if people wanted to chat or had questions? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on, uh, and you can also find me on Instagram, one arm trades. And that's what the, the number one, not, not spelled out. So feel free to reach out. And I'll put that, uh, information in the description below. And again, that's, uh, Dylan Taylor on, uh, LinkedIn and, uh, looking forward to, um, to watching your journey, Dylan. I think it's again, just a remarkable person with a, a great outlook on uh, the industry. We'll leave it at that. Appreciate everyone listening to uh, the show. You know how to find uh, Dylan on social. You know how to find myself. And uh, we will see everyone on the next episode.